Aquatics Nation. This is your community, and I am your host of the Aquatics Today podcast, Jamal Hill. So strap in, whether you're on your way to work or you're already there. Let's get inspired. Let's get it going. Tide of summer. I know you're in your season. We got a lot of lifeguards here, and now we have one more lifeguard. This man is possibly one of the best-known lifeguards in the world, uh, Chief Lifeguard. Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo. Apparently, <laughs> Bruce, um, Bruce, you said in Australia, everybody goes by nicknames. Yeah, that's right. Everyone's uh, got a nickname. It's uh, in Australia. It's funny. It's either something you do very silly and stupid, so that nickname sticks, or it, it comes after uh, your surname. Wow, man. Well, I, I like to go by nicknames here too, but everybody knows you as Hoppo, uh, and. Before we even get too much into today, one of uh, one of the tenements, one of my values, one thing we believe here at Aquatics Dan, we and we try and instill is that no one really know, no one cares what you know until they know that you care. Uh, and so, I just want everyone here to get to know you a little bit. Um, how you've gone through this journey, even just over the past 20 years, right? Uh, the past 30, 40 years. Why lifeguarding? How did you come to be into this position? Uh, literally 20, I think, what 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 season? What season was Bondi Beach Rescue on? That's, uh, we're up to 17 seasons. 17 seasons. Uh, I think you've more than made lifeguarding a successful career. How have you done? Oh, well, you know, I've been working now for 30 years as a professional lifeguard, and how I started was probably not even thinking about being a lifeguard. I, I left uh, high school and went into uh, radio and did a little bit there for about four years with, with the sports team. And I was doing a lot of ocean racing, like Ironman racing in the ocean, uh, you know, with the, with the board paddling, the ski paddling, the swimming and the running. And I um, needed a job that I could get a bit of money but also be able to train to be competitive. And lifeguard was one of those jobs and the guys that were already working there that I knew from down at Bondi I said I want you to try out and get on as a lifeguard because you can uh, obviously got to keep fit you got you can train and it'd be good for a, a sport and get paid at the same time and well this so, still in, were you are you still in high school right around this time no I'd finished high school and then went to uh, worked at a radio station and then um, so I was probably about 21 okay probably about 21 22 when I started as a lifeguard and I, from there, was only ever going to do it for about five years. And I thought, well, I'll do five years of lifeguard and then move on. Because back in those days, it was only a seasonal job. You only you started yeah. in September, you finished in April. Yeah. And that was the end of the year. And then you had to go and get other work during the winter period. But after about that five years, the job started getting more professional. And, and I could see that we needed to get more professional so we could keep the guys on because guys were leaving because it was just always known as a, a job you did before you went and got a real job. So yeah, I could see that you know, there was definitely a career there. And then um, we ended up going full-time. So Bondi went full-time 12 months of the year and around 94, 1994. And then that sort of helped uh, to stay there a bit longer. And, the years just went by, and then by 2000, we had uh, the Olympic Games in Sydney for 2000, uh, which was, was quite an eye-opener. And, and that's when I sort of moved into the more of the management role as uh, 
getting towards that that chief lifeguard role because mm. I had a vision on. We had the beach volleyball on Bondo Beach, so the Olympics were right there on our doorstep. And, wow. Uh, it was massive. It was, you know, they built a 10,000-seat stadium on the beach, uh, which was something that I've never seen before and I haven't seen since. Uh, what, what happened was you couldn't get through from high tide was hitting the back of the stadium, so it split the beach in two. Wow. And we had to come up with a way of patrolling, a patrolling strategy that would help. There's so many people coming, but we never worked. Uh, with this stadium in the middle and blocking us off from getting to the north end. So I came up with this uh, strategy and it's sort of that probably helped me getting uh, moving forward. And I realised that, geez, I might have a, a bit more of a career here because I've got a bit of a vision on where I want the lifeguard service to go. So it was a, it was a great challenge for you, like five years, and then here comes this magnificent thing that you've never seen before, never seen since, and it presented this challenge uh, that was big enough to inspire you to really want to commit. <laughs> That's actually really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> it, it, it did inspire me. And prior to that, I, I was just cruising along, enjoying being at the beach, great lifestyle, uh, you know, getting paid to be at the beach, do some rescues, which was uh, satisfying, you know, helping out people. But I, I, it just, from the Olympics, it really uh, hit home that I think that uh, I had, I could see the vision of where life, professional lifeguards should get on. That was something that I just uh, really became passionate about. Wow, that's uh, that's really powerful. Well, you, you touched on a couple things there, so I'm like, man, which way should we take it? Um, <laughs> but let's do this. You talked about when you first became a lifeguard and really how it was seasonal then, right? Um, and, and obviously now you, what you guys have over there has moved into a year-round thing. Uh, I think one thing that's really kind of at the front of a lot of people's mind right now, over the last 20 years, Hoppo, uh, there's been a more or less decline in lifeguard presence and availability. Um, like you said, even though uh, some places it's shifted from this to just a job you get to until you get a real job, some places now it's like, well, is this a job I even need to get at all? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'm curious. You, you run a you run a fantastic team over there at Bondi. Uh, even even what moved you into this track for being a chief had to do with strategy. And again, executing strategy comes with the team. How have you been able to build a culture amongst your staff? And uh, if you could really just tell us what does that look like? What does that feel like? What does that sound like? Really put it into context for it. Oh, look, building a culture, and it's never easy. And we, I suppose, we were helped along, though, um, the early 2000s. We sort of changed a lot. I, I believed in getting staff that really wanted to be a lifeguard, not just someone that wanted to be there because they could hang at the beach or because they're getting paid. But someone that was really passionate about it. How we did that, we reduced the, the standard of the fitness test. Um, we dropped the times down below the actual standard that the associations have. So we made that a little bit harder and, and you, know, you have a bit of a pushback from some people are sitting on the on that borderline of passing. Hmm. But for an example, I believe that anyone that wanted to stay within that team would do whatever they need to do to pass that physical test. 
And there's one guy there that was, say, swimming in the pool. The old time was uh, 800 metres under 14 minutes. Mm-hmm. We dropped it down to 13 minutes. Mm. And one guy was always swimming around that 13.30. Mm. Now, he said, oh, that's, I'm done. I'm not going to be able to make it. and I'm not going to be able to get past the, you know, 13 minutes. Anyway, he went and did some training, came back. He ended up then doing 12.50. So he passed. Right? Wow. Now, by the time he finished his career at around 50 years of age, he was swimming around 12.20, 12.30. Wow. So 10 to 12 years prior, he was swimming a minute slower. Wow. So the reason was there, he wanted to be there. And we, we, and that's the way I put it to all the, everybody working there, that this is because we want people to want to be here, not just to be here for the sake of being here. And, and that helps the team to, to start with. It brings you all together. And then you just keep building on a lot of uh, areas. Now, I'm a big believer too, you've got the bar you set to get everybody has to be above that bar. And even if it's your, yeah. your strength or your weakness is above that bar we set because otherwise you wouldn't be in the team. What the, a lot of the guys and girls didn't get was no one wants to tell someone their weakness because they think that it's going to be sacked or they're, they're no longer going to be a part of the team. But I convinced them that, look, if we all work on our weakness and we all bring our weakness up by 5%, across 30 or 40 people, that lifts the team so much more. Wow. And to the point where we used to sit down and people would never tell me their weakness. And I said, I'm the same. I've got to tell you, tell me your weakness. I've got to tell you my weakness. And we go back and forward. And eventually we broke that stigma that everyone's comfortable and going, yeah, okay, the jet ski, I'm a little bit down in that at the moment. I need to be, I need to work on that to get it up to a higher standard. And whether it's a rescue board or whether it's your swimming or whether it's your customer service skills or any part of being in the role of a lifeguard. And it really helped the team uh, lift to a, to a